0: Awesome. Hey, good to see everybody here today. Good to see you guys online. Welcome Joy Church online. Those on the live stream, those watching on replay, and those of us here in the room. So you can't see everybody else uh, in the room here, but we've got 25 people gathered in here. 25 beautiful people. Come on. Yes, looking good, smelling good. And uh, there's 25 people in another totally distinct section and 25 kids in another section. And we've, this is our ninth 25 gathering today. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. So uh, God is doing awesome stuff, and great to be with you guys online. Great to be with those here in the room. We're going to share at at the end to register for next week, but anybody that wants to gather in person, we're making that happen. And uh, just believing that God has called us to gather, called us to participate in worship, and so we're excited about that. What a great time together. So we're going to jump into the Word today. Now, we don't have as much of a time constraint as we did at the 9 and the 10. You know, we had to turn it over really fast. But I'm still going to go fast and not, not let you guys down at the 11 o'clock service because we still have to beat people to the best takeout <laughs> restaurants after service, right? You know, because I, I went the other day, I went to Hawaiian time and to Burger King because I wanted to get cheaper food for the kids. Come on, <laughs> right? I'm not buying them the, the big Hawaiian time. No, no, no. That's for me. Uh, but they got Burger King and I had to wait like 30 minutes at Burger King and then like 30 minutes at Hawaiian time. So there's still a line but you're in your car at least you can listen to the radio and do that. So exciting to be with you guys today. We're going to jump in. We've been in a series called Brutally Honest and we're continuing with that today recognizing that in life there's times where we want to complain, where we want to give that complaint and other many times want to complain to others I think even right now in our culture complaining on social media is like a national pastime is that right you know getting on Twitter and letting everybody know what you think and what they think and whatever and uh, complaining is is something now I don't complain personally but I've heard some of you potentially have complained before anybody ever deal with that I mean I don't but anyone else okay i am be honest I do deal with it Uh, wanting to complain and there's a, there's a proper way to complain, a proper way to unload your burdens, and an improper way. And for followers of Jesus, we need to bring our care and our complaint to the Lord. It says in 1 Peter 5 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Aren't you glad God cares and wants to hear your cares and your worries? That he wants you to bring them to him. That's the proper response as a follower of Jesus. But when it comes to complaining, you've got to be careful. You know, I, I once heard a story about this cowboy, he was driving along. Eastern Oregon Road. He's out there in the in the wilderness going on these winding roads uh, and uh, he had his dog in the back of the truck and he had his favorite horse in the trailer he was towing behind and he's going around the corners unfortunately wasn't driving safe gets in a terrible accident. The dog is, is he, he's thrown from the truck the dog's thrown out the horse is there and a state patrolman comes along and just sees this horrible accident and it's mangled mess and here's the horse and the horse is you know critically wounded so the patrolman does what any animal lover does what you're supposed to do he pulls out his service revolver and he puts the horse out of its misery he goes around the truck he sees the dog is critically injured too and he can't handle the the, the wines and the cries of pain so he puts the dog out of its misery then he goes around the truck finally he finds the cowboy very badly wounded right broken bones and and he says, sir, are you okay? And the cowboy looks up and says, I've never been better. <laughs> you got to be careful with your complaints, right? You got to be careful with your complaints. You never know what situation you're in. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 73. It's one of my favorite psalms uh, out of the whole book. And it's actually a psalm of Asaph. Now, Asaph is another uh, one of the writers of Psalms. He's uh, a musician. and He writes some incredible prayers and Psalms, and he, and he writes Psalm 73. To me, he's one of the most natural and human experiences and emotions that a person can have, uh, even though Asaph sounds like he's like He-Man's partner or whatever. I think there is a guy in the Bible named He-Man, or, but uh, Asaph sounds like a Marvel character or something, but this is Asaph's Psalm. In Psalm 73, we're going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to give a couple points, and then we'll go get some good takeout food in Jesus' name. Truly God is good to Israel, he says, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and so strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace. You've got to say it with a sneer, right? These people are getting away with it. They clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. Now, let me just stop for a second and ask you here in the room, those of you online, and if you're in the chat, on Facebook, whatever, just reply in there, yes, if this is you. Okay, have you ever felt this way? Like, what about them? What about these people? They're getting away with it. They're doing the wrong stuff. I'm doing the right thing. They're doing the wrong thing. And they're getting away with it. And here I am, right? You ever feel like this? Put yes in the chat if you feel like this, right? We, I've, I've definitely felt like this, at least before I was a Christian. Not now. Not, not now, but before. No, I'm kidding. I feel like this all the time. God, I'm looking around at people doing the wrong thing and getting away with it. And this is what Asaph is seeing. And and he goes on. They scoff and speak only evil in their pride. They seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. So the people are dismayed and confused, drinking all their words what does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. What happens when we observe people getting away with doing the wrong thing? It looks like God doesn't know what he's doing. You ever kind of thought that? God, what are you up to here? Why aren't you, doing, why aren't you stopping this? This is out of control. This is out of line. And Asaph says, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Asaph begins to realize, he goes through this natural progression. He says, look, I look out and I'm like, man, how are these people getting away with this? And why should I do the right thing if they don't have to, right? What about them? If, why should I be pure if they're not pure? Why should I be righteous if they're not righteous? But he has this moment of awareness and he says, if I began to speak that out, I would have been a traitor. So I had to bury it in my heart, right? Because I knew that if I said that, I'd be really off. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. And then I went to your sanctuary, O God. He went to church. He says, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams In the morning. Now, I want to just point something out. When we read scripture, and specifically in Psalms, we need to understand the form of literature that's actually going on here. This is a human perspective. Asaph is giving us his perspective of what happens, and he's saying, God's going to deal with these people. Now, what he wants is them to get swept off a cliff into destruction. But how many of you have ever done the wrong thing and hurt someone else or whatever, and you're maybe glad that God doesn't always sweep you off a cliff? into destruction, right? Or send the highway patrolmen with a, an overactive revolver, right? Uh, to deal with you in those moments. So, but this is a human perspective and what's being given here is an honest cry to God. Now God does judge unrighteousness. God does work in these situations. So Asaph's not wrong, but we need to be clear. We need to understand that he's using this language as the cry of his heart and this is a prayer and a pouring it out to God. And he says, God, you're gonna laugh at them. This is what the, you're, you're gonna destroy. You're gonna swoop them away. Uh, I, he, he was having this realization, God's actually in control. God's going to deal with it. But then he goes on in verse 21. And he says, Then I realized I, that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up on the inside. Just, just stop there for a second. Do we realize that when we're saying it's not fair, what about them? what about here, what's actually going on is a problem in our heart. I was foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You still hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. What a wonderful psalm. Asaph goes through this natural human experience of saying, what about them? It's not fair. They got away with doing the bad stuff. Why, why should I even try? Have you felt like that this year at all? Why should I try? This person does whatever they want. This person goes and, you know, everything works out for them. And they, they're totally doing the wrong thing. They're totally muffing it. And why should I even try? But what happens here is that he goes through this progression and and is asking God, what about fairness? What about justice? What about them? It's a natural experience. It's a natural emotion, but it reveals to us a couple of issues that crop up in our heart. Uh, It's a lifelong battle. Three particular issues that I see here in this passage, and there's probably more, but at least three, that God wants to deal with in us as we look at the unfairness or the perceived unfairness or injustice in the world around us, and then we compare ourselves to that. So let's talk about these three issues. Number one, the first issue that God has to deal with us is the issue of trust, the trust issue. Asaph says, look, I almost fell. I almost lost my footing. My steps almost slipped. And the reason why they almost slipped is because I looked at what people were doing and I'm like, what the heck? How are they getting away with this? Where's God in this situation? And what is revealed here is Asaph realizes, and we need to realize that we all struggle with trusting God to be God, trusting God to be just, and trusting God even when we don't understand or agree with what's going on. Because how many times do we think, man, me, in my limited perspective, I see perfectly what's wrong with the world. And, I, and, and what happens is we actually are not trusting God to be God. We're not trusting him to provide righteous judgment. We're not trusting in him to deal with unrighteousness. And we say it's not fair, right, from a limited perspective. A man named Lou Nichols shares this story. He says, have you ever heard someone say it's not fair? You heard this? Yes. Uh, right? Have you said it? Yes. Not fair. I once heard of a missionary couple, he says, who had spent their whole life on the mission field and were returning home on a ship where the majority of the people were drinking and gambling. They were rabble-rousing, right? Hopefully you people on livestream aren't doing that right now. No drinking in church. Come on. Anyways, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> when the ship landed and the gangplank went down, the band began to play. ba <laughs> ba Anybody know what that song is? No, Oregon. Oregon Ducks fight song. Come on. Too many Beavers fans here. Some of you on live stream, you were singing along. You knew what it was. Go Ducks. Uh, I don't know what the band played, but there was a band and it began to play. The music started and the, the, the missionaries are like, wow. You know, the wife, she thought it was a group of people that had been sent to welcome them home. To honor them for their years of service, right? Where they were eating grubs and serving tribal people and sacrificing their very lives for the Lord. And so she was overjoyed as she stepped down off the boat to this joyous welcome home, except for the fact that when she walked by, she realized it was actually for one of the drunken gamblers coming down that this glorious welcoming committee was for. And she turned to her husband and she said, This is not fair. It's not fair. And the husband said to her, honey, we aren't home yet. We aren't home yet. You see, how many times do we get off the boat and think we've arrived? And now this is the time for reward. This is the time for justice. This is when the bad people get their comeuppance. And the truth of the matter is we're not home yet. You see, we have a limited perspective. We think, well, I've served for years and I've done the right thing for years. No, he that endures till the end shall be saved. Until we actually cross over the Jordan, as it said, as we... Enter into this, the next life, and God provides final judgment. We're not going to see the resolution of everything, and we're not going to understand. And we also have to have the humility to recognize that God is much bigger, thinking in generations than thinking throughout history, and that what our limited perspective in the time may be, that we need to trust Him to be God and to provide justice. Do we trust God to render righteous judgment? When all is said and done, and do we understand this world is not our final home, and this is the trust issue that Asaph deals with, that we deal with as we look out into the world? Maybe we're even right about the things that people are doing wrong, but God has a plan, and we need to trust Him to be God. The second issue that comes, and it really is stems from a trust issue. The second issue that God wants to deal with us through this type of a thing is the heart issue. Heart issue. Do you know that God cares about your heart? We say that God, that you were made on purpose and for a purpose. We believe that God has purpose for you, that you were created for the, to do the good things he, he created you to do long ago. You're a masterpiece, right, of God's design, and there's a purpose for your life. But there's another purpose, and that purpose is God's purpose in your life or in you, that it's not just doing things, it's being something, becoming more like Jesus, and that transformation When you look at Old Testament law, it's always external. Don't do this. Don't cross this line. Don't eat this. Don't don't do this. And Jesus says, wait a second. You've heard, don't murder. But I say to you, don't even be angry. Because if your heart is angry, it's the same seed of murder or anger that leads to the action. He actually extends the standard into the heart level. God cares about your heart. Okay? Heart issues. And Asaph has a heart issue. He begins to let this bitterness and this comparison and this judgment judgment of because he's not trusting God it begins to get on the inside proverbs 4:23 says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life why do we guard our heart because that heart is determining the course of your life and we have to keep that heart pure when asaph says in verse 1 of psalm 73 god you're good you're good to israel you're good and you're good to those whose hearts are pure what is the standard that we're called to as followers of Jesus? It's to have a pure heart. Did you know a pure heart doesn't mean perfect behavior? A pure heart doesn't mean you get everything right. Now, I don't sin anymore, but many years ago I did sin. I think. I don't remember. It's so far long ago. Anybody else, though, maybe still struggle with sin? Not the people here in the, the building. You know, no, not us. But some of you on live stream, perhaps, maybe, maybe, or other churches. We struggle with sin, Okay facetiousness aside, we struggle with sin, not on a daily basis, usually on an hourly basis. And I've met Christians who are at the end of their journey, you know, that are ready to cross over into heaven. And you know what? They still steal with sin too. So what is the difference between being perfect behavior and a pure heart? A pure heart is not hardened off from the work and the leading and the guidance of God, has not given itself into bitterness and anxiety and distrust, you know, mistrusting God and hardening off and, 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 Uh, self-righteousness, a pure heart says, look, I'm still on this journey and I'm trusting in Jesus. I have a pure heart and God is good to those with a pure heart. God cares about your heart. Comparison, when we begin to say, well, I compare myself to others and they're doing the wrong thing, but I'm doing the right thing and it's not fair. That is a heart killer. That is a heart poisoner and it leads to bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitterness, it's been said, and unforgiveness is like taking poison hoping the other person dies. And how foolish is that? And yet we do it, don't we? We get upset. We get, oh, it's not fair. And now I'm bitter. And I'm going to hurt myself, hurt my heart, and let my heart get impure in order to hurt them. It's not how it works. So there's a heart issue that needs to be dealt with. And, and I believe that it's serious. And that's why Asaph says, look, I almost slipped. I almost fell. I would have been a traitor to God's people had I voiced this perspective so yes, it's natural to say it's not fair. Yes, it's normal to go, man, I, I see the unrighteous and they're getting away with stuff. and I. But, but, but it's dangerous all the same. It's natural, but it's dangerous. Do you hear what I'm saying here? It's normal and you don't need to feel guilty for feeling that way. But what we should say is, wait a second, I need to have an alert system that warns me when my heart begins to, to get bitter and I start to get hardened off and it, my heart starts to become impure in this area, I need to have this alarm system that goes off. We just got a, a new car, new to us, and it has a collision alarm, a collision avoidance alarm. And so when, you, when the car thinks you're, gonna, you're going too fast or it doesn't you know, like your behavior, um, you know, whatever the way you're driving, right, babe? The car lets you know and it lights the whole windshield up red And it preloads the brakes. So if you tap them in the car, is stopping. And it goes, ah! It's really scary, I'll be honest with you. And sometimes you're like, ah! You know, but it, it alarms you. But we need to have this collision avoidance system on our heart when it comes to bitterness. That the minute we begin to go, wow, you know, oh, there are these people over here. We need to go, wait a second, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a heart issue. God, keep my heart pure. Keep my heart soft. I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to get cynical. I don't want to be hardened off and begin to be self-righteous, which is the third issue that we're going to look at in this. Because when you have a trust issue and it begins to pollute your heart, it turns into a self-righteousness issue. And this is why there's such an alarm about keeping our heart right. Because self-righteousness takes you out of the grace zone. Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. It doesn't say he doesn't want to or that he wasn't willing to. It says he can't. Because that valve has been shut off when we live in unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is almost always connected to self-righteousness where I'm right, they're wrong, and there's nothing that I would ever do to like, you know, change that or whatever. And I'm good and you're bad. And we created this self-righteous thing. Takes us out of the grace zone. We're justifying ourselves, justifying our behavior, justifying our position. And a lot of people are standing in this life on, on the grounds of being right but being right doesn't get you into heaven. Being right with God and being righteous by the blood of Jesus, who's the only one that can pay for your sins, is what gets you into God's kingdom. And so being right is not enough. And oftentimes being right is one of the most dangerous places to be because when you're right, you feel justified in being doing the wrong thing or judging others or whatever is going on. What about truth? What about righteousness? It matters. It 100% matters. But that's why we have a God that judges in these situations. That's why we have a God that we need to trust. Keep our heart pure so that we don't get self righteous. Jesus talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Here's the Pharisee I thank you, God, that I'm not like that tax collector. I thank you, God, that I'm not like those people. Thank you, God, that I'm not doing that behavior, that I'm a good member of society. Whatever it may be, the tax collector says, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Jesus said this, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. You see the distinction there? He doesn't say I didn't come to call the righteous. He said he didn't come to call those who think they are righteous because there is none good, no, not one. None righteous, no, not one. Not one person in their own strength and goodness can stand before God and go, hey, look at me. Judge me because I've I've done it right and and I'm entering into your kingdom. not how it works. There's none righteous, no, not one. So Jesus says, I didn't come to call those who think they are righteous. He says, but those who know they are sinners. In other words, the, the prerequisite of salvation is to admit you need it. I need it. And that's where a pure heart is, right? A pure heart says, wow, I long for God. I want to be righteous, but I recognize that my good behavior is not what gets me in. And, my, and other people's bad behavior is not what, it does you know, I need to trust God with that. I keep that pure, soft heart. Ephesians 2.8, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. In the final analysis, self-righteousness is incredibly dangerous, puts us in the position of the judge, the jury, the executioner, and really what it does is it takes us out of being the recipient of grace. I'm self-righteous, and and Jesus has nothing for you. If you are recognizing I'm a sinner in need of his grace, then you, you can stay humble, you can forgive and release others, and you can trust him to justify you. So Asaph goes through this progression. It's like, man, I see the world around me. And there's a lot of bogus stuff going on. Even right now, as we live in 2020, I mean, there's, there's a lot of unrighteousness. You know, there's a lot of really awesome people at Joy Church that are righteous people that love God, love people. You're doing good. You're serving in your community. You're actually doing the right thing. And I know it's easy to look at the world and go, oh, gosh, like, see, people are just out of control. They're doing all these things. Don't get cynical. Don't get bitter. Keep a pure heart before God and trust God to provide justice in this life and in the life to come. And love him, pursue him, live with a smile on your face, love people, be grateful that you're saved even in the midst of your sins. You know, one of the things that I say often is that God loves the people that you hate, which is really good news because somebody hates you. Right? Somebody's praying against you, I hope they get swept off a cliff, you know? (laughs) Somebody, Somebody hates you. And so when you have humility, keep that trust in God, that pure heart, that right heart before God, and you not don't get self-righteous. This is where it ends. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Asaph says, my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak. You know, things might not go the way I want them to go. This is the, this is the nature of life, even that in a fallen world, we're all moving towards a, a weaker body, a weaker, you know, life. But God remains the strength of my heart and he is mine forever. Another translation says he's my portion forever. When we trust in God, he gives us the greatest gift he can give us, which is himself. Relationship with God, peace with God and a future home in heaven with him. It's an incredible promise of the gospel that through Christ, we can be reconciled to to God. We can trust in him. We can have a pure heart before him. We can not be self-righteous. And when we keep our heart pure, we, we get to enjoy a relationship with God. You see, life is never going to be fair. Bethany and I were talking about this the other day, that we had a recognition that certain situations and relationships and issues in life were going to remain broken on this side of eternity. That, that certain things that we wanted to change or whatever that might not change. Now, God does miracles. Relationships are restored. Bodies are healed. Not, but not every sick person gets healed on this side of eternity. Not every marriage that breaks apart gets restored. Not every relationship between a parent and a child gets healed and restored. And it's not because God isn't willing. It's just what happens in a broken and fallen world. But we know in the final analysis that the one that made all new things will make all things new. He's going to wipe every tear from their eye. And that's the hope and the, the, the journey that a Christian is on. That's what Asaph goes through, recognizing, man, God is my portion. God is my reward. What a beautiful thing that we have a relationship with him. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he's always with us in Jesus' name. I want to close today with uh, everyone here in the room and, and those on uh, live stream joining us today or maybe even on replay and just give an opportunity to put our faith and our trust in Jesus. You know, every single week we give this opportunity and maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you've already put your faith in in Jesus. That's awesome. Um, But I like to pray this prayer every week, not because I think I'm not a Christian if I don't re-up commitment every week. That's not that. But uh, I love to just continually put my trust in Christ. And if you're here and you wanna make that decision to follow Jesus, then this is a great opportunity. I just wanna ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And we're going to pray this prayer. And if you want to make this decision to follow Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. We're all going to pray it together. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I give you my life And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.